I'm like bogged down in some real corporate, like mundane shit. Pharmaceutical. Yeah, man. Those Ooh, are fun. Yeah, worst. that's the height. Of, <laughs> although it's its own thing. There's you know, some oh, people yeah. that completely do that that. really well, and they love it, and it's like all the power to them. But oh, yeah, yeah, you come out of something like that, and it's like, man, I just, yeah. I just need to make. For me, it's usually a, like I want to make something kind of weird, you know, and, yeah. and just like scratch that like creative itch of yeah. you know mm-hmm. some weird hand drawn stuff or something. You know? Welcome to Rising Tides, the official podcast of the Hexagon Initiative, recording from the studio of SmileRadio.fm. I'm Darren Kwan, director, editor, composer, musician, yada, yada, yada. And we're here to talk about the yada, yada, yada and what makes me and my guests today what we call generalists. Call us jacks of all trades. Call us unicorns. You might see us one day in front of a laptop editing some piece and the next day on set yelling, please get me my latte. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who knows what we could be up to next, but the truth is, neither do we. We're just following our instincts, and we're here to learn more about what makes us tick. I have with me two distinguished gentlemen of this field, Mr. Dan Melius. Hello! Animator, post-production master, trumpet master, composer. Anything else you want to add to this list? Nah. What's your favorite? Do you, know, do you cook? I do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a mean baker. baker. You're, yeah. you're, you're a baker? Yeah, oh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> baker. All right. And Mr. Noah Schulman, most fashionable guy I know, first of all. Thank but you. also amazing director, editor, animator, music enthusiast, drummer. Anything else? Do you cook as well? Do you do Pilates? I use Seamless a lot. You use Seamless a lot. <laughs> and entrepreneur. And entrepreneur. Yes. And entrepreneur. Con- and consumer of baked goods done by Dan Milius. <laughs> so we all feed each other, literally. Yeah. First, I have you guys kind of tell us a little bit about what makes you this kind of hyphenate, jack-of-all-trades, uh, hard-to-pin-down type of person. What are your trades um, and tell us a little about what you've been up to lately. So Cool. Yeah, I guess I'll start. So I come from uh, primarily a musical background. All through middle school, high school, I went to college for music. Did not go to college for film or animation or any of the actual things that I do on a day-to-day basis. But I find that music, uh, there's a lot of crossover. But yeah, I just kind of fell into this world of, of editing and animation through some early jobs I had uh, and internships I had. Uh, and right now I kind of wear all of the hats of post-production from editing to animation, a little bit of design, um, 3D, 2D, uh, visual effects, sound design, music composition. You name it, I probably have done it at one point or another. <laughs> Sweet. Mr. Schulman, well, tell us a yes. little bit about what makes you a unicorn. Um, so, I mean, actually, funny enough, I think all three of us have that in common. I grew up in and around music, so music was definitely a huge part of my sort of approach. Even, frankly, the music business uh, sort of translated when I got into filmmaking, um, because when I grew up, I understood music as a business, but also as an art form. So my approach to filmmaking was very much with a commercial sense, but also with a, with an artistic kind of integrity as well. So I went to, I went to traditional, more of a traditional art school, not film school. Um, so I 
sort of got to, it was an opportunity to really kind of approach video from more of an unconventional way. Um, so, you know, I worked on everything from video installations to Super 8 to documentary, but I always had a very much of a commercial sense. So I kind of stood out a little bit in art school too. Um, I mean, I was doing like, you know, music videos that were back when MTV two was even a thing. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was cranking out music videos for, you know, less than Jake and some other interesting artists. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I would say definitely my earlier on my approach to video is very much more heavy handed in post-production. And then the directing I think came through through music videos and then um you know the animation animation came in when i was in in college i took two semesters of that and actually funny enough i remember them handing us a humongous book and saying read this to learn how to use after effects oh man was it like one of the trish and chris myers yes (laughs) trish and chris myers yep and i literally took it and i threw it out (laughs) it's like i can't learn like this but yeah so anyway so long story short is like you know, every kind of every aspect of production and kind of beyond that, um, as you know, the last like five to seven years, I've kind of expanded even beyond video. Yeah, yeah. What I want to kind of ask both of you is how you fell into this kind of nonlinear, free associative way of working, which I find like, for me, it happened really organically and without me ever even like trying to pursue like, oh, I'm just going to learn a lot about a lot of different things and I'm going to try to freelance with as many of those as possible. It's like if you plan that out on paper, it'd just be chaos, <laughs> but it just happens organically. And I think film is such a multifaceted business. It's easy for people like us to get, get plugged in. Um, but for you guys, how did that kind of start. I mean, Noah, you already started talking about it. It seems like just organically you were in school, you were hanging out and making projects that called for a multimedia aesthetic. You approached it from with a commercial mindset as well as an artistic mindset. Would you say that that all just happens subconsciously or were you ever conscious of like, oh, I'm, I'm a little different than these specialists that I am seeing too? Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is like, I only feel like the last three or so years, like what I kind of got out of film school as like a human, a human Mm -hmm. is kind of coming into fruition. You know what I mean? I think like being, I think at least in my background that being in these smaller media companies, which is, you know, when I transitioned from more, you know, freelance to, you know, I guess Vox media was my first real full-time job. Um, you kind of have to be nimble and have a different role every single day with, with these, these kind of small teams. Um, so I feel like that sort of came naturally because I kind of dabbled all over the place, um, in, in college. So you were, you, you found yourself in situations where it, it was natural for you to step in and fulfill a role that maybe another person who was a specialist might've been like uncomfortable with. Is that that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And was this, I'm curious, was it something that came for you from just your sensibility or, you know, were your parents also dabblers in different things? Um, I mean, again, like my, my, my father was in a, in a pretty progressive rock band. So that was kind of all <laughs> over the place, but I don't attribute it to that. But, uh-huh. but yeah, I think it's just more of a 
creative sensibility. Yeah, yeah. I find that for a, for a, for anybody, even if you're a specialist or whatever, it's it's not like you choose necessarily the things you do. It seems like they kind of choose you because you have an affinity or you're interested or you're fascinated or you're curious. You know, you kind of just naturally know what you want yeah. in a way that um, is is just kind of comes out of you naturally mm-hmm. you know it was that kind of how you dance started fr- shifting from music to film and post-production i guess i mean growing up always made little terrible shorts with my friends on vhs camcorders as i'm sure oh, we yeah. all did like yeah. i remember making like this awful awful horror movie with a river monster like in this creek by my, my buddy's house thankfully all of those tapes drowned in a flood yeah. um so in a river <laughs> yeah wow so i was always interested in film but I think the, the what really got me into it was was my first internship out of college uh, was at ABC mm. News um, and that's where I, I've, I really got my first exposure to what a film editor and a TV editor and news editor does sitting mm. in front of an avid um, mm. manipulating time and effects and, and orchestrating this dance between audio and video and all of these things together. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's really what sold me to begin with. And then I had another job after that where I was hired as a sound designer because that's what I initially wanted to do. Um, and they were so short-staffed that they were like, hey, can we teach you motion graphics? And mm. I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. Uh, Without and, hesitation. You weren't just like, hey, I'm a music guy or I'm a X guy. No, just because, I mean, I'm a very curious person. Mm. Um, so whenever somebody, like, gives me the opportunity to try something I hardly ever hesitate. Um, so, and, and when the opportunity to learn something new that looks fun comes up, of course I'll jump at that. So yeah, I jumped Mm. at that and like fell in love with after effects in the first, you know, hour. Um, and yeah, and it's just kind Mm. of been a crazy love affair from there. Now for you, was it ever like, Oh, this is similar to music. Did you did you bring lessons with you from what you'd done creatively before? Completely. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a beat to everything, mm. you know. And it's like if you have that innate sense of timing in your soul and your body somewhere, mm. if you have that, you mm. can translate that to pretty much anything, be it animation, writing a story. It's like every everything has a beat and a and you can drive things with that. Well, I think your your music comment, Dan, is is so true because I find that there's a lot of people, and this is you know applies to previous generations. You know, uh, there's a lot of people that played in bands in high school mm-hmm. or were DJs, and whether or not they're aware of it, sometimes I find that what they end up doing is a response to that somehow. You Completely. know, yeah, yeah. Like even if they end up like in finance or something, I feel like. If, sometimes I'll be talking to somebody and I'll find out that they played in a punk rock band. I'm like, oh, that's why you're so open. You know, it's <laughs> completely, like, completely. nothing phases you. You're like, yeah, you, you yeah. were screaming in a punk rock band when you were 17. Yeah. So you kind of like, it, it kind of connects to who you are as a person in a way. So mm-hmm. it, it connects everything. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of post-production specific people mm. are musicians. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met so many editors that are drum. I mean, I, I used to play the drums myself so. yeah yeah oh, okay yeah 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 i used to know a guy at abc who would bring his bass in every day and just be like sitting in the corner like <laughs> are you actually working or just yeah, like, yeah. this is rehearsal time but it's just you know it's it's all in the same world space you know and do you think this label of generalist kind of puts uh us in a box that i think other people could get into this box too mm-hmm. if they weren't thrown off by this 
kind of misconception that if you're a generalist, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to pick a specialty and drive down into it because you won't be marketable otherwise. Right. I mean, there's a lot of implicit kind of pushback of, you know, dabbling in a lot of different things. You know, myself, like I shoot and I edit and mm-hmm. I direct. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of these different things. And there's been a couple of times when somebody's going like, I think you're trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. You should just choose what you're best at. Mm-hmm. Drill down into that. Have you guys ever felt that pushback? Either your own kind of self-doubt or other people or feedback. Have you ever doubted like, hmm, maybe I should just choose one thing. And what did you do in response to that? Yeah, I, I know I have. And like, yeah. I distinctly remember a conversation with a buddy of mine in college uh, and him telling me, he's like, Dan, you can't do everything. Hmm. And I was like, but I can try, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. going to give it a whirl anyway. <laughs> um, but one of the silver linings of being a generalist is that when you do get that pushback from one certain aspect, if you've been animating for weeks at a time or you've been working on a feature for you know, two, three months, mm. and you're, you're at that point of, of burnout, mm. you can just switch to another discipline. Yeah. And, and feel a little renewed palate cleanser yeah exactly and, yeah. and like that yeah. I mean, that for me it's like sometimes I'll, I'll I'll take a job that I know is going to be like a solid month of straight editing and then after that I don't want to edit anything but I'll just pick up an animation gig and that'll all work out so yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like I get that that's how I deal with the pushback mm. it's just kind of switching gears as best I can yeah. I found like in during my freelance <laughs> life most of the work I was getting was post-production mm. and you know I I had always had this urge to not just do post-production, you know, but it's harder, you know, like you had to know the specific agencies and to direct things. And like, especially, you know, getting hired as a creative director, as a freelance to me is like almost impossible. Um, And to me, like, to be really honest, I feel like the title creative director is completely been blown out of proportion. I was just going to say that. Everyone's a fucking creative director I feel like now. it's hard to get like, get a job with that just because right. it's such a wishy-washy fucking well, it's term. It's like yeah. influencer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I know about that. It's like um, I'm meeting 22-year-olds that are a creative director. Right. Like, get the fuck out right. of here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. How right. I market myself is, you know, I feel like there are idea people that can just throw out ideas and have no idea how the thing is made. Mm. And I think being able to understand the process of a production all of that that thinking goes into the idea that you know the bigger idea that you're presenting and i think that's actually more powerful than just some you know don draper that doesn't know how the thing is made or designed you know Mm -hmm. um and that's that's where i've positioned myself at least my current job my previous gig as a creative director on you know now i'm with sony music before that i was on branded content but like even a company as big as sony the teams are still small where like Mm. there's still an advantage where like, you know, like I was saying, like we were, I was working on this stranger things, three pre-order asset or uh, promotion. And I was so passionate about it. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to animate it myself. Mm. And I never personally want to be at a place where they're like, no, you're the creative director. Just sit in a room all day and think of ideas. Shut the door. Exactly. Like then, then that's not why you're hiring me. You're hiring me because I can be nimble. I can, get my hands dirty. Mm-hmm. I never want to be far away from everyone making the thing. Cause that's yeah. what excites me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. How much of that I'm curious has to do with the fact that we're in New York, you know, and is there, is there a climate here of people being able to get their hands more dirty and being less segregated in terms of their roles 
Or could you find that in other cities too, do you think? I mean, I'm sure you could find it also. I mean, maybe we're just used to being dirty just because we're riding the subway all the time. But, you know, <laughs> sorry, that was, that was bad. Dadjokes.com. I, I could have right. built off of that joke, but I wouldn't. Um, yeah. But no, I, th- I think you can find it. Like, there's a, there's a really burgeoning like motion graphic scene right, going on right now in like Detroit I heard yeah like that that area of the country is just getting for whatever reason mm-hmm. like a big uh, surge in, in motion graphics and and just general animation companies um, but though yeah those teams are like you know 8 to 12 people sometimes they bring mm-hmm. in an army of freelancers if they have a bigger project yeah, yeah I think it exists in the sector like you know the, the different markets that are around for sure now do you guys feel like in Having this kind of top-down view, what are the the pros and cons of that? Like, we've already touched upon, like, you get a chance to recycle, you get a bird's-eye view on the whole process, you're able to dip in. Seems like it's all great, but there's there's some drawbacks to it that maybe wouldn't make it for everybody, right? What, what would you say <laughs> are some salient things that come to mind? Uh, well, I, I think burnout mm-hmm. is, is a big one and i think that depends on the client um you know i've I've had i've definitely had clients before that are like well dan you we're gonna hire you because you can you can do the edit you can do the graphics package you can do the sound mix you can do the color at the end of it and call Mm -hmm. the day and i'm like i can do all those things is it smart for me to do all those things probably not and we're gonna Uh, pay you just (laughs) right for one of those exactly so so on top of on top of getting burnt out because you're wearing you know 15 hats Mm -hmm. you're also getting the same rate you would have gotten if you were just a specialist in one of those yeah so i i feel like the those are two of the downsides i've i've personally encountered uh yeah no i don't know if you have i mean i think the biggest thing for me is finding whatever project it is from a top-down view like finding people that you just intuitively on a creative level just get it is so hard to find Mm -hmm. and like when you're uh, you know the, the the drawback of being in some you know uh, uh, companies is you know some people just don't get it and you're it, part of the job I guess as a creative director yeah. is to try to try to you know bring your vision through whoever you know whoever you're working with but like that's that's the hardest part but I but I also feel I, I you know and I, I've I've definitely thought about a, a lot about this is like I feel like there also is a lot of power in um, and comes from experience and maturity of being able to know when to step back too, and let mm. the DP do his job so you can step back and direct and have a, you know, kind of a different view of things instead mm. of on the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I feel like we've all kind of done both, but I feel like there's actually a lot of power in being able to step back as well. well and I think that goes hand mm. in hand with what you were saying before too, about knowing what goes into the meal. Yeah. Like you can hand it off mm. and know what should happen. Right. But still let them do their thing, right? And that get, that enables you to put your trust more in someone. I feel, yeah, you know, yeah. There's nothing worse than, you know, being over someone's shoulder and that's, uh, micromanage. Like I, that's just not my jam. Not to mention nobody yeah. likes that breath in their ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, that that stinky oh, breath. Maybe you what they ate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> organic, locally grown food. You know, it's good for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I've I've felt that before too where as i think as i've gotten older i've mellowed a little bit i'm more apt to just let other people do their thing and in years past i think i've been so eager to jump in that maybe i've stepped on some toes and that to me has been a a learning curve where i've had to go well you know 
you don't actually have to always be the shooter. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that do this for a living and that's their specialty and you know, you could hire them. Yeah. yeah. And it was like a light bulb went off when I finally <laughs> worked with my first DP. I'm like, oh, okay. And now I, I realize that I'm, I'm taking on a different um, kind of definition of directing, which I'm realizing is kind of what everybody else or most people think of as directors, like you work with a team. And so I, I kind of dealt with this inverted learning curve where I assumed that as a director, you're doing everything. Right. And, you know, I'm going to be editing later, too. So I'm going to shoot it and then I'm going to light it and do all this stuff. And then I've had to learn yeah, as I've grown in my career of like delegating that to other people. And part of that is also, you know, it's not what I would have done, but what you're doing is also cool and also works. And learning to tell the distinction between that versus I just want to do it myself, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have either of you ever felt that of just like, you know, that, that inflection point where you realize like, oh, it doesn't always have to be my sensibility, even though it could. Completely. You yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I for years I had a hard time of just letting go of aspects of, mm. of making a thing. Um, so that's also been a recent, <laughs> a recent light yeah. bulb moment for me too. Is like, no, I can call up call up another animator and have the, or I can actually, mm -hmm. I can hire a DP and, and you know, I don't have to put my hands up my shaky ass hands on the camera, <laughs> um, which should never touch a camera ever. Um, but yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's liberating, especially the older mm -hmm. you get and you know, the more time crunch that we all have, cause we all have so much stuff going on, yeah, and, yeah. you know, being able to hand stuff off is liberating. Yeah. And it also makes you realize like, the the myth of the auteur is just that it's kind of a myth mm. because even the times when I was doing everything myself and it was just me from top to bottom, there was still random stuff that would happen that would end up on the screen or end up being part of the project. And as soon as you involve another person, what ends up there is the result of, you know, not just the gear you're using, but your working relationship with everybody, their sensibility, what they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And the best thing you can do sometimes is to make space for that. It's riding this fine line sometimes that as a generalist, I feel like you're more prone to think that one of your top five solutions is do it myself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it wouldn't even be on the list for some people, you know. Although I, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. Because yeah. on average, I've, I've probably done one or two personal projects a year. But I've found that those projects on a post-production level have been some of the hardest <laughs> to either get done or hmm. just... I've struggled the most with my own personal projects. Why is that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm with you. There's no deadline. There's no client. And uh, I also, I yeah, also think, yeah. like, when, at least when I'm doing a personal project, like, I'm, I'm trying to make something I've probably not done before. Right. Or, mm. or, or at least, like, trying yeah. to tackle something that is n new and exciting to me. And, and because of that, guaranteed to run into yeah. a zillion things. Like, I'm working on this short for next month. That's You know, it's my first, like full 3d animated short mm. wow. and it's like never done that before <laughs> yeah running into all sorts of stuff yeah. it's like i guess sometimes you need structure right yeah <laughs> structure helps like i i found that i've had to do that a lot with myself on personal projects speaking of personal projects like yeah. i just did a short and the short that i'd done prior to this one i edited for two years wow 
which is crazy for like <laughs> seven minutes. You know, come on, Darren. <laughs> yeah, but that cut is awesome. Do you have, thank you. But do you have, it's like sometimes we all need a little adult supervision. So on the second go around, I was like, I, there's no reason why I need to do this again. You know, I, I set myself a rule of like, you're going to get it done in a month, you know, and, and I did it. And it made me realize like, oh, you know, structure is really good. Mm -hmm. And when it's just you, you're missing that sometimes. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's the benefit that other people have is there's accountability. Right. <laughs> you know, there's there's budget, there's 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 limits. Yeah, Another yeah. thing I'm curious about was just that in what way do you think the way you guys work affects your work? How much is your knowledge of production and process do you bring to thinking of an idea? Or are you blue skying and then later you get to, okay, how are we going to do this? Because sometimes I'll even think of keyboard shortcuts as oh. I'm writing something. Oh, interesting. interesting. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just kind of built in, in a way that I'm trying to get away from. Like, yeah. I'll try to just go to a notebook now with pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I would jump straight into After Effects and start drawing shapes. Sure. And that would determine what I would end up doing. You know, that's, that's how I know that I would be very different had I just started as a writer or something like that. Yeah. But do you do yeah. that, Dan? Do you ever, like, just dive into the computer first as you're ideating something? Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it depends on the timeline, yeah. really. Um, mm. Like a lot of the quick turnaround stuff, for sure. Mm. You know, it's just like I'll just, you know, throwing shit at a wall. You know, yeah, just yeah. get in there and dump a bunch of stuff on the screen and see what starts looking good and moving it around. Uh, but I do pen and paper a lot hmm. um, when I have, like, if I have, you know, a day where I can sit and think about things. Uh, I am much more a, a blue sky initiator. I guess rather than rather than thinking technically first, I worry about that on the back end. Yeah, yeah, much to my detriment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like coming from like the media mindset, you know, I think subconsciously, it's also thinking what is the platform, who is the audience, mm -hmm. and how do you tailor that creative to those platforms? Sure. And and you know. For me, when I said before, like, I've always had an interest even beyond video, like experiential and interactive articles, things like that to me are just f different forms of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And that's what always like, that's why I've always, any moment I could work with the writers, work with the designers. And like, to mm -hmm. me, like that was going beyond video, but still anchored in video. You know what I mean? All mm -hmm. the things I learned from video, um, mm -hmm. I could translate yeah. over yeah, and, yeah. and frankly, like, not to go off topic and not to plug anything, but uh, <laughs> even even my, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Why else are we here? Uh, exactly. Yeah. But even like, you know, when I started my, you know, my enamel pin company called Film Pin Society, mm -hmm. I it was terrifying to like learn e-commerce and Shopify and shipping and how awful the USPS is. Right. Um, <laughs> but all, all those, I brought all of my knowledge that had nothing to do with packaging and manufacturing and design and all that stuff. But like, I, I'd never done any of that, but all the mm -hmm. things that I've learned bit by bit somehow translated to a physical product, sure. which well, was yeah. interesting. Well, you knew how to work with vendors and you knew how to like, like that, that comes into play a sure. lot, especially in that type of business yeah. where it's like, and I can tell if you're bullshitting me right. you know, <laughs> just by the, your language right, that you're right. using. Yeah. So. You know, it's funny. It, it makes me think that I've, thought this uh, more recently that everything is the same and everything is difficult. Um, and what I mean by that is that the only thing that makes something easy is our expectation of it. 
like the things that we consider easy are the things that we have um, like l different expectations for. Something that's new, almost always we expect it to be more difficult. You know, you can make anything difficult if yeah. you just expect different things. Mm -hmm. And so what I've found is that looking at different skills and as you learn them, you can start to see echoes of the same process. You know, you're taking something that's unfamiliar and you're making it familiar. I mean, that's like going back to music. I feel like you want to be able to play without tension. Sure. And you don't want to expect something to be super hard or else you won't be able to perform. Mm -hmm. So you try to change your mindset around something. I mean, just to th make it in the form of a question, have you guys ever tried to change your thing to meet other people's expectations and realize, you know what? No, I was happier doing it actually this other way. I don't need to do that. Or... Have you guys been lucky enough to just never doubt that and just always do things the way that you want to do them, have fun, just kind of free form? The first thing that comes to mind was, you know, when I started directing more, hmm. I was absolutely terrified of directing hmm. because in my mind, for some reason, I mean, this probably more of a therapy session here, but <laughs> please, um, I mean, I mean, that's what how does it make you feel? Comfortable chairs. It's um, like some nice warm lighting. <laughs> I had this, I had this idea of what a director needs to be personality wise, which is a loud, obnoxious person that orders mm. people what to do. And that's, mm. that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a, I'm more of a quieter person. Mm. I'm more observant. I'm definitely respectful of everyone on set. So I, for some reason I had this 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 expectation hmm. um, that I had to be a certain way to direct things. But rather, you know, I don't know how or when it came to terms, but it was like every, every director in Hollywood's doing it their way. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Not everyone has to fit into this template. Hmm. So I think when I came to terms with like, I am who I am, I can approach things my way and if you know people get on board with that cool like i don't have to fit into some specific template of a position you know mm -hmm. yeah i think like you know just to bring it back to the idea of being a generalist and having a, a non-linear kind of skill set so i think that you know you're almost by default trying to figure out your own way of doing stuff which maybe is not so different than everybody else but Certainly you're doing that across different disciplines. Sure. So you're figuring out your own kind of voice as an animator, as a director, as a creative director, and not necessarily just in one specific area. Sure. Um, Dan, does that, does that connect with you too? Is that something you Yeah, yeah, felt? completely. I mean, I, I, one of my guiding posts has always been to be kind of as nimble as possible. Hmm. So I'm always very open to learning different ways of doing things. I mean, over the years, of course, I've gotten set in certain certain ways of doing things but um especially when it comes to working in a team like if 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 I, i'm either on the team or in charge of a team of people i'm more than open to somebody telling me a different way to view things i think that's only going to help things work better and grow more hmm. to do that um so i've never been like a stickler of and i think that just that just comes because i am multi multidisciplinary um in that I don't really have a direct route through anything, really. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, I mean, you you bring a like a really positive outlook on stuff, which I think is is so great. It's just the idea of like whatever you need to be. Yeah. You know, you will just fulfill that role, whatever's best for. Just try and slot in like a puzzle piece. You're yeah. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 ye
to develop, you know, on its own. Sure. It's very easy to become entrenched in this is my thing, you know, this is my territory, you know. And that's why, I, like, I could never be a specialist because I'm like, that's not me. Mm. Like, I could never be like so set in my this is what I do and I only do this in one way and when I like I, when I work with those people that can that can be grating to me a little bit just because mm. I'm like why can't you just adjust one little way but yeah the the rigid thing yeah. you kind of can't do that yeah. if you want well, no I, I definitely yeah. can't <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah so looking forward what are you guys interested in developing further within yourselves professionally new territory that you're interested in going towards or you know are you going where the wind takes you what's what's coming up hell yeah good question yeah good love question. it man no i i'm like i'm <laughs> i'm super excited about vr and ar right now uh, um i've been i've been getting uh getting pretty pretty deep or as deep as i can at the moment into like uh engines like unity and unreal um just you know free access engines uh, um still doing things with processing and stuff like that but i think the I think the future of our world of storytelling is going to live in that realm sooner rather than later, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm super excited about it. I think it's I think it's a very cool thing. Yeah, I'm very much in the same AR VR. Um, I'm still you know I'm still into exp experiential as a thing as a way to you know tell a story like through like a physical format. Mm. The way we consume content is always evolving, um, and we as creatives and creators have to, I mean, if you want to keep up, you have to adapt, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, completely. um, and yeah, I mean, whatever the format is, I mean, I know, you know, th watching things without sound was a thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's back now. Sound is back. Maybe it's making a comeback. <laughs> <It's okay>. you know? <laughs> I don't know. You know, don't throw those headphones away, folks. The new, <laughs> the new thing is, is <laughs> the new thing is, is four by five format. Oh, get out of here. 1080 oh. by 1350. No. no. Oh, get out of town. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the next thing is uh, triangle. I don't know what dimension that is, Who but knows, man. you just gotta, oh. you gotta, you can't be. You can't be resisting because that's when you yeah. you're you're not you can't be stagnant. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And to me, those are all just different, challenging ways to tell tell stories. And video games, that is one other thing oh, that yeah. I would love to. And video games, that is one world that I really want to like <laughs> dabble in at one point, but it's so far out of my reach. <laughs> I don't even know where you start on that one. Yeah, man. But it's just another aspect of storytelling, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's and uh, and I think it also ties into my my slightly recent love of VRAR too. It's like, that's yeah, where things are yeah. moving there too. And I, I feel like everything's just going to kind of converge. You know, you've got what a digital that is doing like on demand, real time 3d actors right now, which is Jeez. mind boggling. Wow. Um, but it's coming. You guys are such, uh, open dudes. <laughs> You're just like, Hey man, whatever, whatever happens, happens, man. Yeah, I yeah, just man. be whatever I need to be. It's the project that matters. The most. <laughs> Admirable gentleman we got yeah. with us here. We try. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd like to thank my guest, Mr. Dan Melius. No, no, no. Thank you, Darren. Yeah. So it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure talking to you. Always. Mr. Noah Schulman. Yeah. Say <laughs> my name no twice. <laughs> say it three times. Say I don't know. Name, say my name. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for being here. I think I learned something. I think I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Special thanks to SmileRadio.fm for hosting us tonight. Woo! This was Rising Tides. For more information on the Hexagon Initiative, please go to www.thehexagoninitiative.com. This is Darren Kwan signing off. Yeah.